This is an encore broadcast of Streams in the Desert Live. Welcome to Streams in the Desert Live, an interactive prophetic talk show with pastor, evangelist, and prophetic teacher, Dana Bohansky, senior pastor of Streams in the Desert Ministries and House Church, where we look at the headlines of our daily news in light of Bible prophecy and give you, the listener, an opportunity to call in to ask questions and share information regarding the signs of the times. This ministry is dedicated to the preaching and teaching of the unadulterated word of the one and only true and living God under the power and anointing of God's Holy Ghost. Streams in the Desert Live is an expansion of Streams in the Desert Ministries. Now, here's your host, Pastor Dana. Shalom and blessings in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Dana, and I once again would like to thank you for joining me today, November 15th, 2017, for the Streams in the Desert Live internet radio broadcast, coming to you from the beautiful and breathtaking studios of StarWorldWideNetworks.com where we look at the headlines of our daily news in light of Bible prophecy. Today's topic title is Prepare for Crash. But before we get started, let's pray. Father God, we humbly come before your throne this day. Lord God, we bow down spiritually speaking. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you've yet to do. We ask that you'd send the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit to permeate this place and the digital airwaves around the world, Lord, that those who are in need of a Savior will hear this word, this urgent word, this 1159 and split second word before the Lord and only Savior of all mankind returns for those who belong to him at his appearing happens. Lord God, we thank you for this time that you've made possible for us to get the word out around the world. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for all the world upon the cross of Calvary, shedding your precious and holy blood, Lord, that we, if we would, uh, receive you as our only savior our lord our master our soon coming king and messiah that we will be those in the kingdom of god for all eternity which is also known as receiving eternal life by having a personal relationship with you here and now lord jesus in good standing and be ready watching and waiting at the time that you appear in the eastern skies in the blink of an eye in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. Lord God, we thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, have your way in this day. And we command in the name of Jesus Christ that every foul spirit, every hindering spirit, every spirit of lust, control, and pride and wickedness be bound this very hour. In the name of Jesus Christ, we command that it be done. And we plead the blood of Jesus against you. You have no power and authority over the children of God. Satan, you must flee. In the name of Jesus, we call it done. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, folks, greetings to you all once again from wherever you are in the world as you join me, your host, Pastor Dana, today for another compelling episode of Streams in the Desert Live Internet Radio Broadcast. As we open the show for today, I would just like to begin by making an observation, which is that since the time of the great American total solar eclipse of August 21st, 2017, our world has indeed become a much darker place, spiritually speaking, and mind you, it will continue to grow darker and darker until the Lord Jesus Christ has come and gone in the rapture of the church, of which is to take place soon and very soon, and will only become bright once again, spiritually speaking, my friends, when we return with the Lord Jesus Christ, all of us dressed in white 
white, fine white linen, riding upon white horses, as the word of the Lord God plainly states. With that victorious scene in mind, let us now for a moment return to November 8th, 2017 for just a moment where it was for this land called America the one year anniversary since the election of our now sitting President Donald J. Trump and will serve as a spinoff into our first piece of the day. In this day, my friends, I would like to share with you a couple of things. First, we will be taking a short but meaningful look at our financial situation here in the U.S., with our focus being upon the possibility of a soon-coming financial crash. And as for the second half of the show, I will leave that as a mystery for now. With that said, let us begin to take a peek into just what the Lord God has prepared for us here at 11.59 and split seconds till the return of his one and only begotten Son, who is none other than Jesus Christ, the only hope and Savior of this world. In this first piece, written by Mr. Michael Snyder on November 8th, 2017, for his online publication called The Economic Collapse Blog.com, and is titled, The Stock Market Has Gone Up More Than $5 Trillion Since Donald Trump Was Elected, of which Mr. Snyder begins by reminding us of the fact that one year ago we witnessed the greatest miracle in political history and since that time we have also witnessed one of the greatest miracles in financial history he states that on november 8th 2016 the dow closed listen up my friends at 18,332.74 On the very next day, Wednesday, November 9th, which just happens to be my birth date, it closed at 23,563.36. He further states that the U.S. stocks have increased in value by about $5.4 trillion since Donald Trump was elected. And Mr. Snyder says, I don't think that we have seen anything quite like this ever before. As he continues on, he asks this question. So does Donald Trump deserve the credit for this unprecedented stock market run? Many experts, he says, are at least giving him part of the credit. Greg Vallier, chief global strategist at Horizon Investments, says ongoing Outgoing Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen, did you hear that, my friends? Outgoing uh, Federal Reserve Chair, Mm-mm-mm. coming right up. Janet Yellen deserves much of the credit because the Fed's policy of how interest rates, ha- uh, of low interest rates, has helped maintain a good economy and favor stocks over other investments. But Trump, he added, gets some credit for establishing a pro-business climate in Washington. Trump also gets kudos for rolling back business regulations and pushing for a big tax cut for U.S. corporations, which uh, with or which investors say will boost corporate profitability. The other part of the article Uh, In another part of the article, my friends, Mr. Snyder goes on to tell us that the reasoning behind this boom in the stock prices over the past few years, when he shares primarily the reason why stock prices have gone up so much over the past several years is due to the unprecedented intervention by global central banks. He as well states they have literally pumped trillions of dollars that they have created out of thin air into the financial markets. And of course, that was going to drive up asset prices. Mr. Snyder then goes on to say something that I actually reported on earlier this year and should write about now be tripping alarm bells when he states, but now 
But now, my friends, global central banks are reversing course in unison. And we will see if the financial markets around the world can maintain these dizzying levels without artificial support. Because, Mr. Snyder says, Mr. Snyder, the truth is that wherever price and earning ratios have gotten this high throughout history, a horrifying stock market crash has always followed. He continues by saying, there is no way that the stock prices can stay at these levels without central bank support and the trillions of dollars in paper gains that we have seen that we have seen up to now can potentially be wiped out very rapidly. Moving on through the article later, Mr. Snyder, as he moves towards a close, had this to say concerning the situation that it Uh, that it appears that we are now literally coming into when he boldly states don't be fooled by the headlines the artificial stock market bubble is living on borrowed time and meanwhile the real economy continues to struggle he says when the stock market finally crashes it will not be donald trump's fault He then moves to reiterate his point when he states, let me say that again. When the stock market finally crashes, it will not be Donald Trump's fault. And in what Mr. Snyder shares next is where I would suggest that it is high time that you listen up, my friends, for he for his state, he states that The Federal Reserve and listen up for the Federal Reserve and other global central banks created this artificial bubble and they will be to blame for the carnage that is caused when it burst. And at the next great financial crisis and as the next great financial crisis unfolds, Mr. Snyder says, my hope is that people will finally be sick enough of these boom and bust cycles that we will be able to get rid of the Federal Reserve for good. Well, he'll get one wish, my friends, because soon the Federal Reserve will be gone no matter what anybody decides to do, because when the uh, goings-on of the antichrist system come in behind the scenes soon and very soon you will have a system that will be beyond any human system that was ever set up in this world and will be what finishes off this world after those that belong to the lord jesus christ are taken out of the way and it will consist of 42 months or three and a half years and it's called the time of great tribulation Mr. Snyder says, and Mr. Snyder ends his piece by making this startling to some, but oh so true statement of which is that we need people to understand that the design of our financial system is fundamentally, fundamentally flawed because if we never treat the root cause of our problems, we will always be chasing symptoms. There is a better way. And my hope, he says, is that in the aftermath of the next crisis, we can start to get there. My friends, the aftermath of the next crisis very well could be us gone in the rapture. I mean, we are only a blink Uh, of an eye away, my friends. It is soon and very soon. No one knows the day or the hour, but the Lord said to look for the signs and the signs of the times are all around us. Uh, I mean, there is just so many things. We would be here forever trying to put them all together. But if, as we did, we would just see Bible prophecy being fulfilled, coming right up off the page, as we're going to see some happen here today. Speaking of the Federal Reserve, my friends, in our next piece, of which has as well been written by Mr. Michael Snyder, there again for his online publication, theeconomiccollapseblog.com, dated November 5th, 
remember, remember the 5th of November, my friends, 2017, and is titled, Federal Reserve Has Just Given Financial Markets the Greatest Sell Signal in Modern American History. Mr. Snyder begins by asking this question, why have stock prices risen so dramatically since the last financial crisis. Then he goes on to state, there are certainly many factors involved, but the primary one is the fact that the Federal Reserve has been creating trillions of dollars out of thin air and has been in, uh, injecting all of that hot money, he says, into the financial markets. But now the, finan- the Federal Reserve is starting to reverse course. And this has got to be the greatest sell signal for the financial markets in modern American history. He continues by pointing out that without the artificial support of the Federal Reserve and other global central banks, there is no possible way Did you hear what I said? There is no possible way that the massively inflated asset prices that we are witnessing right now can continue. He says the chart below of which you obviously, my friends, cannot see comes from Sven Hendrich. And it does a great job, he says, of demonstrating the relationship between the Fed's quantitative easing program and the rise in stock prices. During the last financial crisis, the Fed began to dramatically increase the size of our money supply. And they kept on doing it, listen up my friends, all the way through the end of October 2017. Unfortunately, for the stock traders, says Mr. Snyder, the Federal Reserve has now, do you, do you know what I mean? N-O-W for now, right now, this very moment, has now decided to change course. And that means that the process that has created these ridiculous stock prices is beginning to go in reverse. In fact, get this, my friends, he states, according to Wolf Richter, this reversal, listen up, my friends, just started to go into motion within the past few days. We are only at the 15th day of the month, my friends. Since the end of October, a new system is now in place behind the scenes, unbeknownst to you, and going in reverse. Mr. Richter uh, is noted as stating that on October 31st, $8.5 billion of treasury, treasuries that the Fed had been holding matured. He says if the Fed stuck to its announcement, it would have reinvested $2.5 billion and let Six trillion, six billion rather, dollars, the cap for the month of October roll off. In other words, they just made that six, uh, you know, that 8.5 billion, they just turned it into 2.5, you know, the kind of erased part of the eight, and now it's a 2.5, and six billion dollars just disappeared because it wasn't even there in the first place, my friends. It just rolled off. The amount of treasuries on the balance sheet should then have decreased by $6 billion, says Mr. Richter, who goes on to say, and that's what happened. This chart of the Fed's treasury holdings shows the that the balance dropped by $5.9 billion from an all-time record of $2,465.7 billion on October 25th to $2,459.8 billion on November 1st, the lowest since April 15th, 2015. At this point, Mr. Snyder asks a very good question when he asks his readers, does anyone out there actually believe that the 
immensely bloated balance sheet that the Fed's has accumulated can be unwound without having an enormous negative impact on Wall Street. He then goes on to say something very mind-bending when he says, and even more frightening is the fact that the central banks all over the planet appear to be acting in a, a coordinated fashion. Then he states, I really like the way that Brandon Smith made this point. An observant person, however, might have noticed that the central banks around the world seem to be acting in a coordinated fashion to remove stimulus support from markets and raise interest rates cutting off supply lines of easy money that have long been a crutch for our crippled economy. Mr. Smith continues by sharing that the Bank of England raised rates this past week. As the Federal Reserve indicated, yet another rate hike in December is coming, my friends. He as well stated that the European Central Bank continues to prepare the public for the coming rate hikes, while the Bank of Japan has assured the public that inflation expectations have been met and no new stimulus is even necessary. If all of this appears coordinated, he says, that's because it is. Mr. Snyder says that when interest rates are low and central banks are injecting money directly into the financial system, that tends to promote economic activity. He further states, but when they raise interest rates and pull money out of the financial system, the exact opposite is true. At this point, Mr. Snyder says Americans are more optimistic about the stock market than they have ever been before. And it is exactly at the same time that the Fed is pulling the financial market off life support. And he says it isn't as if the real economy ever recovered in any meaningful way. Most American families are still living paycheck to paycheck, and a new economic crisis would push millions more out of the middle class. And we can see that, how that could happen, my friends. Exactly. For a long time, says Mr. Schneider, I have been warning that the only reason why stock prices ever got this high was because of central banks. And I have also been warning that they could crash the markets if they wanted to do so. Hopefully there is nothing nefarious going on, but I do find it very strange, he says, that all of the major global central banks are moving towards tightening at exactly the same time. He ends his piece by sharing... If things go south for the global economy in the months ahead, we will know exactly where to point the blame. And, my friends, on that financially thought-provoking note, I will be right back after the break to share that mystery I spoke of at the beginning of the show, as well as more on just why we all need to prepare for crash.
my friends, when the enemy soon and very soon raises, uh, comes in like a flood, the Lord God will raise a banner of power and his glory. My friends, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love and power and a sound mind to operate in the power and working and anointing of his Holy Spirit. But you must know him. You must have a personal relationship with him and you must be filled with God's Holy Spirit before you're going to be able to use that weapon. And with that said, my friends, as promised, just before we came, uh, after, just before the uh, break, rather, uh, we're coming to the mystery that I spoke of earlier. In this piece, first, we will finish off looking at the soon coming crash of the worldwide financial system as we have known them. In preparation for the introduction of the Antichrist systems of the soon to be revealed onto the scene beast and false prophet of Revelation chapter 13. The writer of this piece there again is Mr. Michael Snyder. He just won out today. It's, he just had the best articles. We just kind of mesh in the spirit when it comes to articles. You'll find that, my friends. Uh, Mr. Snyder, he wrote this for his economiccollapseblog.com, and it is dated November 12th, 2017, and is titled, This is What a Pre-Crash Market Looks Like, of which Mr. Snyder begins with this startling revelation. The only other time in our history when stock prices have been this high uh, relative to earnings, a horrifying stock market crash has always followed. He then asks, will things be different for us this time? Just before going on to say, we shall see. But without a doubt, he says, this is what a pre-crash market looks like. Mr. Snyder continues by sharing this current bubble has been based on irrational euphoria that has been fueled by relentless central bank intervention. But now global central banks are removing the artificial life support in unison. My friends, I want to tell you something. This has been said three times in three different articles today here. Okay, you know, the Lord has patterns for things. I think that now that we're hearing this for three times in three different articles written on three different days, we need to pay attention. He says, meanwhile, the real economy continues to stumble along very unevenly. He further states that this is the longest that the U.S. has ever gone without a year in which the economy grew by at least 3%. And many believe that the next recession is very close. He then gives this analysis. Stock prices cannot stay completely disconnected from economic reality forever. And once the bubble bursts, the pain is going to be unlike anything that we have ever seen before. At this point, he says, if you think that these ridiculously absurd uh, stock prices are sustainable, there is something that I would like for you to consider. The only times in our history when the cyclical, uh, when the cyclically uh, adjusted returns on stocks had been lower, a nightmarish stock market crash happened some soon thereafter. The Nobel laureate Robert Schiller developed the cyclically adjusted price and earning ratio, the so-called CAPE, to assess whether stocks are likely to be over or undervalued. Mr. Snyder continues by saying it is possible to invert this measure to obtain a cyclically adjusted, adjusted earnings yield, which allows one to measure prospective real returns. If one does this, he says, the answer for the U.S. is that the cyclically adjusted return is now down to 3.4%. He goes on to say that the only times it has been still lower were in 
1929, and between 1997 and the year 2000, the two biggest stock market bubbles since 1980. We know now what happened then is going to be different this time. Is it going to be different this time? He says, we know what happened then. So is it going to be different this time? He asks just before going on to share, since the market bottomed out in early 2009, the S&P 500 has been on a historic run. If this rally had been based on a booming economy, that would be one thing. But the truth is that the U.S. economy has not seen 3% yearly growth since the middle of the Bush administration. Instead, this insane bubble has been almost entirely fueled by central bank manipulation. And now that the manipulation is being dramatically scaled back, Mr. Snyder shares, and the guys on Wall Street know what is coming. For example, Joe Zidell uh, says that this bull market is now in, quote, the ninth inning. Joe Zidell of Richard Bern, uh, Bernstein Advisors is arguing that the bull market has entered the bottom of the ninth inning. This is a late cycle environment. Zidell said on CNBC's Future Now recently, in innings terms, they're not, there's not, they're not time dependent. In innings terms, in like baseball's innings terms, they are not based on time dependence. An inning could be shorter or they could be longer. It just really depends, the strategist said. Next, Mr. Schneider says this bubble has lasted for much longer than it ever should have. And everyone understands that a day of reckoning is coming. In fact, he says earlier today, I came across an article on Zero Hedge that contained an absolutely remarkable quote from Eric Peters. Quote, we are investing as if 1987 will happen tomorrow because it will, said the CIO. But we need to be long or we'll be out of business. He explained under pressure to perform so we construct option trades that are binary bets, which pay X profit if stocks rally and cost Y if markets fall, no matter, no more rather, or no less, he says. What you do not want is a portfolio whose losses multiply depending on the severity of a decline, he says. That's what most people have today. At the last stage of the cycle, you want lots of binary bets. In other words, many small wins before the big loss. Are we at the start or the end of the, I don't know what I'm buying cycle, asked the same CIO. No one knows, but we're definitely within it. Moving ahead in the piece, Mr. Snyder points out, in case you don't remember, in 1987, we witnessed the largest one-day percentage decline in U.S. stock market history. He continues by sharing, when it finally happens, millions upon millions of ordinary Americans will be completely shocked. But most insiders know that the other shoe is going to drop. At some point. In particular, he says, watch financial stock prices very closely. Last month, Richard Bove issued a chilling warning about bank stocks. One of the Wall Street's most vocal bank analysts is troubled by the rally in financials. The vertical group's Richard Bove warns that the overall market is just as dangerous as the late 1990s. And he cites momentum, not fundamentals, as what's driving 
bank stocks to all-time highs. Quote, if we don't get some event in the economy or in po- uh, politics or in somewhere that is going to create more loan volume and better margin for the banks, then yes, they would come crashing down, Bove said Monday on CNBC's Trading Nation. I think that the risk in these stocks is very high at the present time. Mr. Snyder ends his piece by sharing It isn't going to take much to set off an unstoppable chain of events. Our financial markets are even more vulnerable than they were in 2008, he says. And the right trigger could unleash a crisis unlike anything we have ever seen in modern American history. Unfortunately, most Americans keep getting fooled by the artificial boom and bust cycles that the central bank creates. Right now, he says, most people seem to have been lulled into a false sense of security and they truly believe that everything is going to be okay. But every time before, when the market has looked like this, a crash has always followed. And this time, will be no exception. My friends, we are all headed into uncharted territory coming this January when the God-mandated year of calamity officially begins or maybe even sooner when it comes to what is just about to take place in the crashing down upon us all of the current financial systems of this present world. But remember, my friends, the Lord God, even before the beginning of this current year of 2017 came into view, had already designated it as the year of the dawning of the cashless society. My friends, that should tell us something is coming very soon. The Lord God is warning us that the Antichrist systems of the kingdom of the soon coming beast and false prophet of Satan made known to us by way of the Bible, of the biblical, by way of the biblical book, my friends of Revelation chapter 13, will seemingly suddenly appear soon and very soon. And now, my friends, on to the mystery of which I promised to share with you this mystery when it finally does arrive with the seal of the one and only true and living God upon it for such a time as this will signal, listen up, my friends, the end of time on this planet as we have known it, not the end of the world, my friends. The world has got to be here for another at least thousand years for the millennial kingdom time. But for all of us who are living and breathing in this hour, this world is about to change. And our time on this planet in the form that we are in right now, meaning not in our glorified bodies yet if we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, is just about up. For the Lord Jesus Christ will soon return in the rapture for those who are ready, watching, waiting, and praying for his imminent return. My friends, this signal, it will signal, this event will signal the end of time as this planet, on this planet, as we have known it from the beginning of time. For the word of God states that it will represent the beginning, listen up my friends, it's so important, of a seven-year false peace treaty between Israel and her enemies, of which will be cut short after a mere 42 months or three and a half years, and will mark, no pun intended, the beginning of the open rule and reign of the beast which brings in the Antichrist system of buying and selling called in the word of God, the mark of the beast. 
of whose number is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six, or six six six. His reign will last for forty-two months, or there again, three and a half years. It will be the second three and a half years of this seven-year period, my friends, that no one on this planet who is existing now and is still here then has to be here for. If you're ready, watching and waiting for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're not, my friends, you will be here during the time. And it is known in the word of God as the time of great tribulation a.k.a. the time of the open rule and reign of the Antichrist kingdom, propelled by way of the spirit of Satan and ruled by his beast and false prophet. It is also known as the time of the outpouring of God's wrath upon the godless and the ungodly left behind after the Lord Jesus' return in the rapture, or shall we say, the catching away of the saints, in other words, all those who belonged to him at his unexpected to the world at large return. Oh, and did I mention that this time period, this second three and a half years, is as well for the land and people of Israel who remain during the time of the great tribulation is also known in the word of God as the time of Jacob's trouble. With that said, let us now explore a piece written by Peter Bekarnov, dated November 11th, 2017, for the New York Times, titled Trump Team Beginning. Trump Team Begins Drafting Middle East Peace Plan. Written November 11th, 2017, my friends, 11. You know what I always say about 11. Trump team begins drafting Middle East peace plan, of which begins thusly. Washington, President Trump and his advisors have begun developing their own concrete blueprint to end the decades-old conflict between Israel and the Palestinians, a plan intended to go beyond previous frameworks offered by the American government in pursuit of what the president calls the ultimate deal. After 10 months of educating themselves on the complexities of the world's most intractable dispute, White House officials said Mr. Trump's team of relative newcomers to Middle East peacemaking have moved into a new phase of its venture in hopes of transforming what is what is uh, and has been what is what it is that has been learned into tangible steps and to end a stalemate that has frustrated even presidents with more experience in the region. The prospects for peace are caught up in a web of other issues consuming the region, as demonstrated in recent days by Saudi Arabia's growing confrontation with Iranian-backed Hezbollah in Lebanon. Oh, my friends, that's a story in itself. I didn't know which story it was going to bring today, but I have a feeling the Lord gave me this one for this week, and that one will be even more explosive at the time he appoints to have it brought forth. Israel is likewise worried about Hezbollah as well as uh, efforts by Iran to establish a land corridor across southern Syria. If a war with Hezbollah broke out, it could scuttle any initiative with the Palestinians, says the New York Times writer. Nonetheless, says the writer, Mr. Trump's team has collected non-papers exploring various issue relate, issues related to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and officials said that they expect to address such perennial dividing points as the status of 
Jerusalem and settlements in occupied West Bank. Although Mr. Trump has not committed to a Palestinian state, analysts said they anticipated that the plan will have to be built around the so-called two-state solution that has been the core of peacemaking efforts for years. Quote, we have spent a lot of time listening to and engaging with the Israelis and Palestinians and key regional leaders over the past few months to help reach an endearing peace deal, said Jason D. Greenblatt, the president's chief negotiator. We are now going to put an art of we are not He says, we are not going to put an artificial timeline on the development or presentation of any specific ideas and will also never impose a deal. Our goal is to facilitate, not dictate, a lasting peace agreement to improve the lives of Israelis and Palestinians and security across the region. Mr. Trump, who considers himself a deal maker, decided to adopt the challenge when he took office in January, intrigued at the idea of succeeding where other presidents failed. And he assigned the effort to Jared Kirsch. Kushner, his son-in-law and senior advisor, neither had any background with the issue and the effort was greeted with scorn. But the fact that the president entrusted it to a close relative was taken as a sign of seriousness in the region. Mr. Trump's team seems sees the convergence of factors that make the moment, listen up, my friends, ripe, that make the moment ripe, including an increased willingness by Arab states to finally solve the issue uh, and to refocus attention on Iran, which they consider the bigger threat. With that in mind, Egypt is brokering a reconciliation between Mohammed Abbas, who uh, presides in the West Bank, and Hamas, which controls Gaza, a deal that would cement the Palestinian Authority as the representative of the Palestinian people. Saudi Arabia has summoned Mr. Abbas to Riyadh to reinforce the importance of a deal. The stars begin to align in a way that creates a moment, said Nimrod. Well, who else would it be? Novak, a fellow at the Israel Policy Forum, who served as foreign policy advisor to former Prime Minister Sharon Perez, who negotiated the Oslo Accords in the 1990s. But obviously, the two key questions are, will Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu decide to go for it? And will President Trump, once he, once he, he presents, once he's presented with a plan by his team, will he decide whether or not it's worth the political capital required. The writer continues by making this very interesting statement. Still, neither Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel nor President Abbas of the Palestinian Authority is in a strong position to negotiate. The writer expounds by stating Mr. Netanyahu faces corruption investigation and pressure from the right in his narrow coalition not to make concessions, while Mr. Abbas is aging and enduring strong opposition from his own constituents. Skepticism abounds, especially among those who spent years struggling to overcome the same challenges with the same set of tools. President Barack Obama and his advisors debated for months putting forth their own parameters for a deal, ultimately outlining a general set of principles at the 
end of uh, the last year in a speech by Secretary of State John Kerry as time ran out on the administration. He only had eight years. There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to Middle East peace, said Philip Gordon, a White House Middle East coordinator under Mr. Obama. When you get into these details, that's when you come up against the strong objections of the two sides. If they don't want to, they if they don't want it to be dead on arrival, they may wind up with vague principles. But as we've seen, even vague principles are beyond what the parties are willing to embrace. And right here, my friends, is a good place to remind that when that climate of thought soon does change, we will all know that Revelation chapter 17, verse 17, will have just been fulfilled, of which states, quote, for God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Moving ahead, Tamara Kaufman Witz, uh, a State Department official under Mr. Obama, said both Israeli and Palestinian leaders are heavily constrained, not only by their own governing coalitions, but by suspicious risk adverse publics. It's a hard it's hard even for willing political leaders to make major concessions under those circumstances, she said. Once again, my friends, I encourage you, in the light of what was just presented, to remember Revelation chapter 17, verse 17. For God has put it in their heart to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God, the one and only true and living God, are fulfilled. Next, the writer tells us the core four member team drafting the uh, plan includes Mr. Kirshner, Mr. Greenblatt, Diane H. Powell, and Deputy National Security Advisor, uh, and, and David M. Friedman, the ambassador to Israel. They are consulting with Donald Blum, uh, the Consul General in Jerusalem and others from the State Department and National Security Council. Officials said the efforts may take, listen up my friends, till early next year. Mr. Trump and his team make no bones about being pro-Israel. The president has boasted of being Israel's biggest friend. And Mr. Kirshner Mr. Greenblatt and Mr. Friedman are all Orthodox Jews with ties to Israel. But Ms. Powell is an Egyptian-born Coptic Christian, and Mr. Kirshner has developed strong ties with the Saudis and other Arabs and recently returned from a visit to Riyadh. Mr. Trump has met with Mr. Netanyahu and Mr. Abbas, says the New York Times writer, three times each. So, my friends, with that said, we just need to be ready, watching, waiting, and praying for the time of the end of this world as we have known it. It is very near, as is the time of the unexpected to the world at large return of the Lord Jesus Christ for all those who belong to him at his appearing in the rapture, my friends. But you must really be ready. For he will, in this return, come and go in the twinkling of an eye. My friends, some of the biggest fulfillments of Scripture quietly have, we have quietly been given a glimpse of them this past summer and began on August 21st, 2017 at the Great American 
total solar eclipse. For since that time, we have witnessed some of that which is written in places like Luke chapter 21, verse 25 and 26, and Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and 26 say, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, and the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for the fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 states, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. My friends, you know, not everything always takes place out on the world stage. Sometimes it takes place behind the scenes. And that right there that happened on the 23rd day of September was a, was a very silent sign to Israel. And whoever needed to be watching for that sign, the Lord there again put it in their heart to see it because my friends, it was mainly over Israel that the whole entire thing took place. We could see some parts of it from other places in the world, but over Israel that day, they saw the whole thing play out. And the Lord, I'm sure without a doubt has those appointed for t a time such as this to be ready, watching, waiting, and at this point, observing that which they saw getting them ready, my friends, for the fact that the time of tribulation and the time of Jacob's trouble is not far off. My friends, today is the day of salvation, and you need to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins while the Lord God may be found, because soon and very soon, the Lord Jesus is going to return very silently for his people in the rapture. The world at large will not see this take place, my friends. Only the Lord knows how this plays out, and there are various things in the Word of God that point to how it will work out. But we don't, at this point, have all the pieces to say, yes, this is definitely it. But we see that Enoch pleased God, and he was no more here. He was gone. We saw that Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind in a, a, fire, a chariot of fire, my friends, right from the face of Elisha and others who watched on. So, my friends, there's things that the Lord has planned that we know not of. Your job right now is to make yourself ready, watching, and waiting for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, my friends, when it comes to be Judgment Day, you will stand before God with no one but yourself. And his question, so to speak, will be, what did you do or not do with my son? But he will already know the answer because he knows the end from the beginning. And the last thing that will happen to you, my friends, will be that you are cast into the lake of fire. Because the Lord God knows that if you're standing in front of him on, and you were from this time, my friends, and you were not ready to receive, be received of the Lord Jesus Christ when he came in the rapture, your last stop for all eternity is going to be the lake of fire. With that said, my friends, ask the Lord Jesus Christ to renew your soul and your spirit this day by forgiving you of your past sins. Begin to know God's word, know it well, and know it correctly. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you into all truth and righteousness and receive the indwelling power of God's Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And with that said, my friends, it's a wrap. Shalom and blessings to you all. Until we meet again. I believe that we are living in the days John wrote about. The end times are upon us, and of that there is no doubt. Get your mind out of the world. Take your Bible off the shelf. Read 
the book of Revelations for yourself. Join Streams in the Desert Live each Wednesday at 4 p.m. on Star Worldwide Networks, where your host, Pastor Dana, will examine the headlines of our daily news in light of Bible prophecy. Streams in the Desert Live thanks you for listening, for your phone calls, emails, and as always, your generous love offerings in support of this internet radio broadcast. You may also visit or email Streams in the Desert Ministries, home of Streams in the Desert Live, by way of the website or Facebook page, which can be easily found on the StarWorldWideNetworks.com Streams in the Desert landing page. Until next week, Streams in the Desert Live bids you all much love in Jesus and that the peace of the Lord Jesus be unto you all now and always. And remember, if you're not serving Jesus now, what makes you think you'll be doing it later in heaven?